So, y'all excited to be here at the final, final Sex in the City of God class? Yay, everybody. Let's all get a woo from everybody so we can put on each other. There we go. Good job. Way to go. Good job. Okay, so... So, well, I mean, you have to be excited that you made it, that you got through it, that you finished, that you're at the end, you're finished with the finale, you're faithful people, right? <laughs> so, but you have to be excited. You have to be excited also because this is Q&A, and you're coming with great questions, and if you're not, we're just going to sit here and stare at the ceiling, which won't be any fun. So, hopefully you're thinking some questions. Um, and you've got some good stuff because there's a lot of stuff to be asked. But uh, just remember, uh, last week what we talked about was Christian ethics and the problem of homosexuality. So we talked about that. We talked about that in length. Uh, we talked about scripturally where does it all, where do we get the understanding of what does God think about it? Um, we got, we came to an understanding that it's a struggle and a sin just like any other sin. What's imp- what, what we have to understand is living in sin. Um, uh, is is a way, obviously, of being separated from God. And so anyone who would purport to continue to live in that sin and also think that they were right with God, then they were actually fooling themselves. We have to realize that, that there are struggles and sins that we face. We have to give them to God and enable Him to change our hearts. Um, this one in particular is, is very difficult for people to deal with because it goes to the very core of their identity. And anything that deals with identity is a difficult thing for a person to to get through. Uh, but also there is victory, and we can win. Uh, anyone who struggles in that can find victory. It isn't quick, but it comes. And God, through grace, can walk a person through that. And the best way for anyone to get through that is to have another friend of the same sex to come alongside of them and show them real, true, Christ-like love in relationship in a way that they've never seen before. And that begins to transformation. And so that's what we talked about last week. Um, this week... It's time for you to ask any questions you haven't asked so far. If during the topic that, that I covered on homosexuality last week, you have a lot of other co- uh, questions because there could be a plethora of things you could ask because we really only went through one perspective last week, the biblical perspective. There's the sociological perspective. There's the varying other things that we could talk about uh, that we didn't. I just briefly touched on them very quickly to say, hey, I know there's a lot of other areas, you know, nature versus nurture, different questions like that. Please ask. Don't be concerned about it. I won't say the name of the person that asked the question on the tape. We'll just we'll just simply just say question was asked. This is what it was, and we'll we'll discuss it. But there's no reason to be be afraid. We're all here. We all are um, mature adults, and we can we can discuss these things without um, um, being concerned about what other people are going to think about us. Okay. So uh, I really uh, hope that you do dig deep and ask questions that are deep, deeply uh, concerning you and on your heart. So uh, without further ado, let's, let's do it. Let's move forward. Let's, let's go with some questions. Um, who wants to start off, or would you like me to use the two that I have here to start us? Okay. All right. This is a, a question that ties uh, a little bit into the, I think, what we were talking about last week. But the question is, what about people born with both sexes? Uh, I know it's caused by the fall of man, but how is that related to sexuality? And that's the question that this person asked, a um, very astute question. Uh, maybe some of you haven't ever heard of uh, um, uh, the very, very unlikely situation that does occur um, very, uh, I mean, in a teeny bitty amount of times on the scale compared to 
all other situations of, of life that, that is birth. But um, this concept of almost an androgynous person, a person that's actually been born with both sexes. What do I think about that? How, what does God think about how does this work? Um, well, obviously that person is not tainted to hell and that person is not, uh, is not uh, um, uh, a monster in God's eyes because they didn't ask for themselves to be born that way. That's the way that it happened. But what I have understood and what I have read and, and, and discussed um, with others is that in those cases that usually there's one functioning part and the other doesn't. And so you can actually kind of figure that out. Uh, you know, what, what's, the real, what's the real intention that God had for this person versus not. But again, I think one thing we have to remember as well is this. This is such a small uh, idea. This is a small uh, uh, occurrence. I mean, I mean, I'm talking ridiculously small in the scheme of things that we cannot take this and make exceptions out of it. And I think that what happens sometimes is people will take uh, a, a thing that like, you know, well, what if we're on a desert island and and uh, you know we don't have anyone to marry us and how how do we do that? You know, it's like, well, yeah, what if that and and how often would that happen? Now, when you get in that position, call me. We'll talk about it. But see, <laughs> but see, but see, that's the thing. That's that's the thing. These things are such exceptions that they're really not anything that you can do much of discussion on because it isn't a common deal by any means. Uh, in that situation. I don't even know if anybody in here in this room could say, I know somebody like that. Uh, so one thing we must remember is we cannot create an exception uh, like that to be the way in which we see our lens of how God would have things be. That is a very, very, very um, small uh, point on an infinitesimal line. And uh, the important thing, though, is, of course, that person is not considered tainted or, or a monster or a freak of nature, whatever it be, God would, would want us to come alongside and help in that person themselves to seek him to understand what do I do with this. And I believe, and God definitely has answers and how to, do it, how to deal with it. Um, so uh, uh, it, it, it's a complicated situation, but does it happen? Ha happen? Hardly ever. That's my answer. And again, I think that, uh, I think that uh, when it comes down to the specificity of it, if it's obvious that one has this particular function and this other one it doesn't, doesn't function, then you kind of kind of know the direction that God was leaning, you know, when this, happened, when this happened. Of course, we know these birth defects, they happen as a result of the fall. That's, uh, that's the, the reason we have these things. Birth defects oftentimes happen because of people unrightly um, pursuing relationships sexually with people, the, people, the, their family, or um, other issues, alcohol is involved, or drugs, and various different kinds of birth defects occur because of that. Um, so again, the person is not the one at fault. Likely, it's the person who birthed them that might have had part in the in the uh, what how it occurred. Uh, but that's not the issue. The issue is what do we do? Not very common, and so remember that. But if it is. God would really want us to think through it for that person. Don't make exceptions out of it. Does, does that give you some clarity? You want to ask a, a follow-up question to that, anybody? Um, maybe does this question pertain to, like, if someone was born that way and they become a homosexual or, or whatever, then, uh, then, like, is that, like, an excuse? Is that, like, what this question is, like, really getting at, I think? 
have no idea because the question was just asked by somebody in this room. Have no idea who asked the question. Maybe that's like where it's leading. Like, you know, someone was born like this, and then as they grow up and develop, they use it, or, you know, it can be used as an excuse for how they deal with their sexual choices. You know what I mean? Like, well, I was born this way, so, you know, I have these feelings, and I'm trying to deal with them, but they leave me here. You know what I mean? I would agree that you're going to have a lot of sexual confusion if that's the situation, if you were, quote, born with both sexes. But again, you know, in what I've understood about the studies, it's not as if both function. And so, you know, you can think through that. And, I mean, the Bible says male and female created he them. I really believe that in that person is a male or a female, and it can be discovered. With my limited knowledge of it, you know, we can get into deeper, you know, medical knowledge and look at it and see, oh, well, there really have been people that, you know, both function equally the same. Wow, I don't know what I'd say to that one. We'd have to really get a little bit deeper and search a little bit harder on that one. Okay, the next question that is asked, very, very difficult question here. This one right here, this one was a, you know, this one's a really difficult question, but I think the one thing we have to remember again is it's, it's how often does this, does this happen, and this is extremely rare. So we really don't have to consider this much at all. This one, though, this is a tough one. According to the Bible, the only justified reason for divorce is adultery. What would you say to someone who's being physically abused, emotionally abused or neglected, raped in marriage? Is divorce justified in any of these instances? Yeah, you're asking a, a very, very difficult question. This is a question of, um, of ethics. Um, we understand, you know, morals are pretty clear in Scripture, but this is a situational ethics kind of deal. I think one thing we have to think about is this. Do we, do we live by situational ethics in any given situation? Can I sit there and say, well, because of this, and that makes an exception, and because of this, and that makes an exception, and because of this, and that makes an exception? Can, can we do that? Because I believe that if we did, we'd get ourselves to so, in such a place to where there is no standard whatsoever. We could always create a different kind of excuse for why we do what we do. Now, what I do understand and again, I can, well, this is talking about the Bible, so according to Scripture, how could we see this? We are told and see in Scripture that there were women who married men who did not know the Lord. And what they were told was to win those men over. And the way they would win those men over. Now, honestly, we have to remember this. The Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So this is, for one thing, one of these issues is man bad choice to even enter into this relationship. It was a bad choice. Um, I, I understand that once you're in that, that doesn't really help. <laughs> but to avoid that, this, is, this, this could give us an understanding of why it's so important that we think about who we are going to spend the rest of our life with. Do I truly know this person? Are they putting on a show? Are they putting on a face? I mean, guys, give them test after test after test before you get into and enter into a relationship of that depth of marriage because you, you really got to recognize that you are, you are putting yourself in a vulnerable place. And these women who are being treated this way, I'm going to tell you that the way it works is it's not usually the guy turns into a monster once he gets with me. There are telltale signs that begin before that time. They may not be the out-and-out -out abuse. 
but there's manipulation and control that you begin to sense and feel. There's things. Be careful when you're thinking about where you're going to go when it comes to who you're going to be with for the rest of your life and, 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 and really seek the Holy Spirit about your decisions that you make and be discerning because it's so important. But the number one thing is don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's one of the first things you've just got to really, really use as a pro, proactive measure. But that doesn't change the situation here. What do, you, what do you do when you're in the situation? What do you do? Well, you know, there are ministries that are out there that, are, that deal with battered women, battered women shelters. And I, I, one thing that we can do is immediately you have to get out of the situation. I mean, that's duh. You know, that's a, that's a duh thing, you know. You, you don't sit there and just say, yeah, I'm just going to come in there and get beat some more. Yeah, I'm going to come in there and get abused some more. I'm going to come in there, you know, and have my identity continue to be destroyed by this man. We've got to do something, so we have to get away. That's the first thing. You have to get away. Does that mean you have to get divorced? No, I don't think so. I don't think you do. The most important thing you have to do is you've got to get away. And you've got to get things right. And maybe you've got to get away for so long that eventually perhaps the step comes where that guy begins to take the steps. But the thing we have to understand is God is able to do a lot of deep healing. And sometimes we jump too quickly into the solution is this. And there's reasons why in Scripture that we don't have this easy clarity that says, well, it seems like it'd be obvious that we should be able to, that we should lead that person. Well, if, if we look at Scripture, we've you know, we got to look at Scripture the way it talks. We know that Moses created the certificates of divorce. And, and he created those because of women who were being abused in a different way. What would happen is the men would say, I don't want you anymore, throw them off to the side. But those women would be tied to that man, that man and there would, there would be you know, no relationship there, but she would be stuck because she would be outcast if she was to pull away from that man. So what ended up happening is he set it up where he says, these women are not being treated right. So you men, if you're going to treat them like that way, you have the right to issue a certificate of divorce and that enables her to part and find someone else who will take care of her. Okay, that's, that was the issues in the Old Testament that were, where the certificate of divorce came. It's interesting, though, when Jesus talks about it, you can tell he doesn't like it. Jesus isn't interested or is, it doesn't encourage divorce in any case whatsoever. He doesn't encourage it. But he does say that, it's, that it is written that, you, that, that you, could, you, could, you could issue a certificate of divorce, and what he says is, as it's written in there, is for marital unfaithfulness, is what it's, what it's written for. Just like these men that weren't faithful to, their, to the women, they just left them off to the side, did their own thing. This is what it would be. Um, uh, I can't see in the interpretations that it involves abuse as an excuse or anything like that. But I can't say this. You obviously don't need to be with that guy if you're being abused and you're, and you're a woman. You can't be. That's not God's intention. God would want you to be protected. So you get away, and you try to see if there isn't a way to sort it out. And if you're away for a long time, and you, you know whatever it be, you are not the one to initiate it. You don't initiate the divorce. You'll let that other person do it. Uh, if that's the case, it's going to happen. But honestly, we've got... We've got to trust God because God can bring restoration in these situations if things are done in the right way. I'm sure that batters, women, shelters do have success stories of women who are in those situations who got out, who, who they got out there and said, look, you know, we're not coming back and we're not going to be a part of this. You can't find her, you know, anything like that. 
until things start getting right, that man begins to realize what he's done. God begins to change his heart, and perhaps there are those stories of changed lives. I know that it doesn't always happen. But you've got to stay away from it if that's happening, but you, there's just nothing in Scripture that says that we, we can do that. Now, would God forgive you, and would God say, I understand, and all that stuff? Well, God has great compassion on us, and He has great grace. But I can't just say that Scripture says that you can do that, because I don't see it at all. Uh, what I see is Paul talking about winning over your man through the way that you show respect and love for him. Now, when he's not respecting you and he's beating you, you're not quite going to be able to win him over like that. But there, but, but there are those cases where perhaps God can do it. But we've got to be careful about just pulling an initiating card on that. And I know y'all might be in disagreement with me because culturally it just seems like it, it seems wrong uh, to not be able to divorce because of that. But I don't see anything in Scripture that says you can. But I definitely don't think that God would say, stay in there and get beat. <laughs> stay in there and get abused. I mean, if you're, if you're in that situation and it's like you say, you get away from it as fast as you can and it doesn't change and there's no signs of changing and you've been away for a long time and it's still not changing, it's still not changing for a very long time, then would you say it is definitely plausible to get out of it and to, to file a divorce? If there's no change, you know what I mean? And it's Man, like, you know... Because that's, that's not only is that like bad for the woman, but say there's a kid involved. I mean, that could be like, you know, detrimental for the kid as far as future and, and things like that. I, I know, these are difficult questions. I'm just saying, you know, according to the Bible. This is the question you're asking me is according to the Bible, and I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. And I, I see that it, that, it, that it's clear, very clear that it gives, gives one reason, and that's for unfaithfulness. Now... If that man, likely he is, he's probably cheating on you anyways. Because, you know, in these cases with, with this, likely that's what does happen. You discover it. You know that someone's cheating. You know that someone. Then you have the right to divorce. Scripture says you do. So maybe this is really a moot point because if we look at the statistics of, of how it goes, is most women who are being uh, abused and neglected are likely finding things through other women anyways. And therefore the unfaithfulness is there and therefore we do have warrant to be able to divorce from there. Uh, but even then, you know, in unfaithfulness, and I'm not talking about battered women in this case, I'm just talking about, let's say the guy's unfaithful, uh, you're still not encouraged immediately to do that. It's a choice that you are allowed to make. It's like he's saying, you do have the ability to divorce if that's the case. But he doesn't say, but do it, you know? Because again, God can still instill healing into relationships that have been torn apart. Um, Difficult, difficult topic, especially when physical abuse comes into the game. Um, uh, so, would God want you to be abused? No. Would He want you to uh, divorce because you're being abused? I don't see anything in Scripture that gives us real clarity um, to say you can. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Any follow up questions there? Why do you think abuse was not? I would say that's a good question. Uh, that would bring us to a different angle. It may be that culturally that wasn't an issue. Battered women, well, it wasn't as much of an issue as as it would as it is today. It could be true. Could be that there wasn't even that that wasn't even a factor. I haven't studied enough to know, guys, so I can't answer that question. Uh, it's a it's a it's a what if situation. 
maybe people would say, well, isn't marital unfaithfulness, you know, a person that's not treating you right, is abusing you? I, I, you know, when you look at that concept, it's completely clear that it's about adultery. So, uh, you know, when you look up what that means, it's a, it actually is talking about adultery. Uh, so, you know, counselors, Christian counselors would probably maybe even counsel, counsel differently than what, what we might see here. I'm not a professional in that area. Uh, I know it's a difficult question, but I'm only giving you what the Word of God says. And, and, and it's a complicated situation, but we have two things. This is what happens. This is, this is, the, the, op, this is the opportunity that we have to make that decision and it be right along with the way that God intended. I mean, he gets pretty intense, doesn't he? He's like, if you were to divorce and, to, and you marry someone else, it's as if you're committing adultery with that new person. I mean, that's what Jesus gets into when it comes to those, you know, us doing that. Man, how many people are probably doing that, and it's terrible. I, I, but, but God loves them because, you know, he's going to give them a new start and all that kind of stuff. And so it's not like you're condemned forever, you know. I'm just saying that Scripture has some hard things that it says. But I promise if we, if we do what the Scripture says, we'll see why, why it's there. Um, and then it talks about women winning over the men who they've married who don't know the Lord, who don't seek out the Lord, sorry, through the way in which they they serve and and uh, love them. And uh, it talks about that too. And it talks about, you know, women who uh, their, their husbands die, they can get married. It's okay. They can get married um, because he doesn't want them to fall into, especially young women, doesn't want them to fall into temptation sexually. And, you know, because there's still that part of your body that's like, I still want to be with somebody, you know. And uh, you just have that sexual desire that's naturally there. And he says, well, we don't want those women to be tempted in that great way in a fall. So those young women can still get married again. And so widows, they can get married again. That's what Scripture talks about. So there's a lot of complications when it comes to uh, how do you reconcile adultery with what we see, uh, a divorce, with how we see it in our culture versus what the Bible says. And... There's a lot of discrepancies that are happening now compared to what the Bible says. You know? Any other comments on that one? Somebody ready to throw a tomato at me? Okay, all right. Now it's your turn to ask questions. I asked, I mentioned the two that were on here. What's that, Chachi? Yeah, throw it, dude. What, uh, what is uh, really what is uh, courtship in 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 the in the scriptural uh, courtship? Okay, scripturally, uh, is there a concept of courtship? That's the question. Scripturally, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that the word courtship is there. But I can tell you that the concept is there because in the Old Testament, culturally, that was the way it worked. Um, 
you would be matched to a person, you would have the opportunity to spend somewhat a, a certain amount of time with that person, uh, uh, under watch, of course, <laughs> you know, uh, to develop somewhat of a connection, and then you would, then you would be married. Uh, was there any kissing happening at that time? Was there any, any connection physically? Oh no, not at all. Not not culturally at that time. Was there a relationship? What do you mean? Uh, Yes, like I said, they're, you know, they're, they're, the man would not propose to the woman. They would be matched. Uh, so it would be the parents that would do it. And oftentimes it was done politically. It was done uh, in a way that would help the family in some way. Well, you're, a, you know, you're this type of, uh, of trade and we're this type of trade and together we'd make a good team. And so you have a, you have a daughter and I have a son and, and so let's make an alliance together in essence with this, with this wedding. So a lot of political... You can see that in a lot of the movies that you see particularly with kings and queens and things like that, you know, the, those kind of ages. Um, uh, but, but that was happening all the time, these, these kinds of agreements and things. And, and, and they weren't necessarily bad in the sense of how they ended up and how they worked. They were actually um, oftentimes uh, worked, worked very well, you know. Uh, obviously, divorce was extremely much more, you know, uh, uh, Less considered then than you would than, than it is today. So there's one difference, but the idea of courtship is there. There's no word courtship that's there. Um, is it wrong to hold hands? Is it wrong to kiss before you're married? Uh, different people would give you different answers. I think the important thing to understand is there are doorways. There is a process. There's a continuum that we experience physically. Uh, in relationship, and you begin that continuum by the physical things that you do. The question is, what is going to be something that's going to lead you to the next step in that continuum that eventually will lead you to the next step, to the next step, and to the next step? So if you want to completely avoid any problems in the area of sexual immorality in your relationship, then most certainly, if you don't kiss or hold hands, you're going to probably be all right because there's not going to be any continuum that's going to take you anywhere. Do you have to? Scripture doesn't say you have to. Is there a place, obviously, that's too far? Oh, certainly. And, and the Holy Spirit reveals that and makes it clear to us. Any, anything that begins to make you feel like you want to take that next step to go the ne to the next place is going to be um, an unhealthy place to place yourself in. If you're not respecting one another, seeking one another's good, and thinking about the fact that this person may not be with me my whole life, and you want to preserve them for the person that God has for them, then you're going to be really really particular about the different things that you do. And there's not much you should be doing, honestly, if you want to stay in the place of purity and keep yourself from falling um, into temptation. Yes, John. kind of John. address the physical side of things, but I just want to... Maybe can you can you talk about um, like the emotional like the boundaries you should have too and like that whole aspect because I think it's like they go together. Okay, emotional boundaries uh, in this in in the dating relationship. We were talking about courtship and and uh, kind of led into you know there's how do you protect yourself from different things physically. Well now the question's been asked about well what about the emotional side? How do you deal with that? With the fact that we obviously aren't 
quite the courtship type these days, the matchmaking type. So emotionally, how do you deal with those boundaries? That's a great question. Honestly, how do you deal with your emotions? That's a question I'm just going to ask, period. Because do you ultimately choose to feel the emotions that come? Did you say, I just want to feel this emotion, so now I'm going to feel it? Or is there a sensual part of you that tends to feel something, and then it leads you to follow that emotion? So can I change the way that I emote towards another person? Well, one thing, the emotions are not going to be as intense and false if you're not physical. So if there isn't any physical part in that relationship that's involving the sensual touch and things that lead down that sexual continuum, then you're going to be a whole lot better emotionally in that relationship than you would be if you didn't. So there's one way to protect it. Can you say, and it's funny, people ask me this, you know, well, how can I stop feeling the way that I feel? And I said, closeness breeds intimacy. It's not wrong to feel the way that you feel. It's how you deal with the way that you feel that matters. Because the more God has an intention, there's a point where he's saying, now is time to get past that we're just friends place. And feelings lead us there in time. You get to that place where you're like, you know, we've been... We've been together this amount of time, and you know we've we've enjoyed being you. We've enjoyed this relationship, and I've really gotten to know a lot about you, and you've gotten to know a lot about me. This is called the DTR. Uh, but there's there's something that's um, leading me to think that you know maybe maybe there could be more to this relationship. That that's because there's a place where it's building, because you're spending time together, and something is 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 drawing you together. It's all healthy. It's not bad if there's no physical stuff involved there. And you're just saying, I'd like to see where this could go. I'd like to pursue this a little bit further. What do you think? And um, uh, you say yes or no or whatever. But then the important thing about that is sometimes when we take that step, then immediately emotionally the intensity gets greater. And you know what that is? That's because culture. Because we get to a place where we think that now that we're an item, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, that there's this dramatic... Uh, romanticized view of this relationship that now has to happen. And then you think, well, immediately I've got to look like a couple. And what couples look like in my mind is the touchy-feelies, the huggies, the kissies, all these different things, right? Um, But that isn't necessarily the way it has to be. So emotionally, you can protect yourself by not jumping in physically. But then secondly, you have to get yourself to a place to where you can check your emotions, where you get to that, where, where, the, where the culture interacts with where you are, and you feel like, well, because the expectation is now higher, I must do these things. And emotionally, you begin to get more intense in that. Emotions are going to grow, but sometimes they falsely grow. And the, I, I mentioned the two areas in which they falsely grow, and that's what you really need to be aware of. Don't be scared of emotion. Emotion's a good thing. It's a blessing. It's a gift from God. But it's how you react to that emotions and when the false emotions come in, allowing those to begin to rule you. It's, that's where it becomes an issue. Does that, does that help, guys, with the emotional side of it, with the, uh, of, of that? Okay, great. Next question.
can tell that we did not come with prepared questions, but uh, uh, which makes it a little bit more difficult for you. The intimidation factor of the noise going down the hall. Hi. Hi, are you coming in, Allison? <laughs> well, okay, I just heard you clicking and clock, clocking, and then you, you stuck your head in, so we didn't know. It's okay. You can cut that part if you want to. Oh, you, you don't have to. It's all question time. So, Ben was about to ask one. Go for it. Yeah, okay, so, it's kind of a gross question. Whatever, dude. Ask it's, a gross question. It's certainly not something I, like, advocate or anything. But, uh, like, last week, you know, we are talking about homosexuality. So. Yes. But, like, what's, what's the uh, verdict on male-female sodomy? Male-female sodomy. Yeah, okay, I get exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so what is being asked is, what's the verdict on anal intercourse with male and female? Uh, and you're saying in marriage, out of marriage, do, what, what are you talking about? Obviously, out of marriage is sexual immorality, yeah. clearly. Um, what's the verdict on that? Okay, so that's interesting. That's an interesting question you ask. Uh, the answer... Ah. <laughs> the answer... Okay, <laughs> recognize that the, 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 the Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled, okay? You do, you do whatever you want to do in your marriage bed when you're married. There are certain things that obviously are not going to be healthy, okay? And the most important thing to understand here is what is not healthy is uh, bringing in pornography uh, bringing in things that are going to cause you to have imagery that isn't involving the two of you, and just it's you enjoying the marriage bed together. You do what you do in your marriage bed, okay? Uh, but the important thing is, is that you must know that there is an understanding between the two of you because you're in a, it's a deep emotional connection. That if something is uncomfortable for one or the other, you need to talk that through. Discussions need to be had. This is a place of vulnerability uh, when you're in the marriage bed and you're sexual, you know, because you're, come on, come on you're, you're completely naked, right? You're completely unashamed and you're there and this is a special time of, of, of connecting, but there's also the communication that's so important. And so you have to, you have to talk that through, but I, I want to highly encourage you guys to think about this when you have had influences from the outside from junk and trash that's out there okay when you got influences from the outside and you're trying to play out those influences in your relationship in marriage a, a woman can still feel dirty and married to her husband and that's important that you think about does she feel dirty do I do I feel dirty in what we're doing and you just have to work that out amongst you it's a relationship, and, it's, and it needs to be dealt with in a sensitive way. Uh, but I appreciate the fact that you asked that question, because I'm sure other people would want to ask something like that, but just wouldn't ask it. Okay? Uh, so...
hopefully that gives you some understanding. Uh, there, 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 there's those things to consider. Yeah, I can, oh. I can say one more thing about that, just, just, just to go a little bit deeper. And this is a, more of a biology thing um, to understand that that kind of intercourse also breeds particular, uh, uh, is a more high breeding ground for particular diseases as well. And so you must be aware of those kind of things. Um, the greatest way that AIDS is passed is 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 through through that kind of act through through anal intercourse. That's the that's the way. And the reason why is because um, AIDS itself has to have a sensitive membrane that it can easily pass through. It can't pass through your skin, different things like that. But in that particular place, it's most able to effectively pass through and from one to another. So just so you know, that's a big part of the, pro, you know, the, the leading of that particular disease, AIDS, is most easily passed on that way. And just, just to give you an extra you know, bit of information, just to know. Were you going to ask something? Yes, now? I was. Okay. Um, this is kind of straying into a different area, but it still deals with relationships kind of. Uh, what what do you think about the idea um, I know I can't think of the exact spot in the Bible but I know it talks about marriage and relationships and the afterlife dealing somewhere like with that and it, you know there's there's that there's that scripture that says you know the old things will pass away you know what I mean like as far as and I don't know like how far to take that but what do you think about like marriage? Do you think marriage is gonna like be something in the afterlife, or like, you know, in the kingdom of God, is there going to be like relationships like that, or is it gonna be like everybody's single, you know, nobody's interacting with anybody that kind of way? You know what I mean? Like, what what do you think about that? Like, what's your? Because I've heard so many different things. Well, it's you know? clear in Scripture. There's an is answer. It? Yeah. Okay. What is it? Uh, Jesus Himself says that man will neither be married nor given in marriage. So, uh, what we understand then is that's pretty clear. Everybody's going to be single. Well, I don't think it's like that. that. That's what you just... I don't think it's like that. It's the concept of... Now, this is where you get into uh, theory and, and speculation and such and what to have all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, we're the bride. Yes. The bride of Christ. We're married to <coughs> our husband, you know, which is, which is Christ mm -hmm. as the bride. And so... We don't need that relationship that we have in this on this earth there. Will we know each other? Oh, certainly we will know each other. Will we be glad to be united together? Yes, certainly we'll be united together. But the same kind of desires that we have now, we will not have them. And, and we don't understand that now. You know, there's a whole cult that's out there that's based on this whole concept of I want to I want to stay married and my family be together whenever I, whenever I leave, you know. 
Uh, if, you, if you look into Mormonism, you'll understand that it's about that. It's about, you know, the, the center of it is the family. And the family is what we worship ultimately. If you really want to be honest about it, that's what it is. I'm doing all these things so that I can be married on the other side. There's temple rituals that a man does with a woman called being sealed in the temple. If I'm sealed in the temple, then that means when I go to uh, the, the highest heaven to, 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 to lead, you know, what, what Elohim, what God has, has led me to, to lead, you know, this new society, I am going to be sort of the head of that society and I'm going to be with my wife and all these kids that we're going to continue to, to have. So, what is that? What's that? What is that? What are you saying? What is that? Mormonism? I'm talking about Mormonism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned it already. And so, you know, there's temple rituals and all that having to do with after the fact. After, after, um, after I die and different things of that nature. And I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable about Mormonism, so I'm not making this stuff up. So, this is true facts. You know, I'm not even going to the extremes of what some of the propaganda says. That, that does go a little extreme, you know. If you want to find out something about the, the Mormon church, don't don't watch the Godmakers. That's that's a little bit of extra propaganda. There's some truth to it, but it's a little extreme. A lot of people, that's what they see. But, you know, read some good books like Mormon America. Have some family that's Mormon, and that'll help too. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's how I got experience, so... Anyway, um, other questions? I have one that's kind of um, very different from what we've been talking sure. about. Sure. But I'm not quite sure how to ask this, but um, if, if you know somebody who um, has been in lots of like, sexual relationships before, but they've um, come to a point where they've come to know God and they don't want to have anything to do with that lifestyle anymore, um, and they're not building the Christian walk and stuff, still hearing about how um, how it's such a sin to like have done that. Like they keep getting that from mm. other people. Keep being made to feel like they're still dirty. How can you like just like as a friend, this is like on a pure level, not like necessarily a council level, because I know that there's definitely a degree of um, help that needs to come in that direction with somebody dealing with those kind of emotions. But just like on a friend basis, what's the best way to be able to like encourage them and help them realize that like God has made them pure again. Yeah. Lots of questions. No, I, I, it's just something that I've always had a hard time relating to and helping people because you see it everywhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you asked that question because it's really saying, everybody in this room, how, how, do we, how do we minister to people who have had a past that 
they're not proud of, uh, and they want to. They just truly want to live for the Lord 100%, but they feel the condemnation still. I, I, you know, the important thing for us to do first and foremost is to is to show them we're not going to treat them the way that they feel others have treated them, and and it's not because it's not because of anything more than Jesus would have never done that to you either. But that's not Christ. But that's people. And uh, and to get the understanding that. Uh, you know, people do not define you, but but Christ in His Word defines you. And here's what I see that the Word of God says: It says about, about you that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you feel it, you shouldn't, because you're in Jesus already. That condemnation is no longer there. You know, and and you know when I look at the Word and I look at what Jesus has to say, because as as you know, you know you come to know the Lord and. You're really growing in Him, and you're learning the 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 the, the, the things that, that God has to say about us, that are that are the truth, not these other things that are happening. The truth is 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 what we what we believe, not what these other people tell us. But Jesus says that He cast your sin as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers it no more. And you give them hope by what Christ says, and then you also come in there and empathize and say. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry for the people that are doing this to you and leading you. But you know what? Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. Now these people, they're, they're, they're imperfect and, and they're fallen. And unfortunately, even though they should be a better example of Christ, they're not. But don't let them define your relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the friend that will stick closer to you than a brother. You need him right now. I know that it would be so much easier to just go back and just do whatever it is that, 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 that you were doing before because you just feel like you can't be accepted here. But stick this thing out because I'm going to walk with you. We're, we're going to walk this thing together. I'm not going to leave you alone. And, and I want to tell you, I apologize for those people. And I'm going to just graciously let them know how God says this, this is not God that you're hearing, and I'm not going to be like that. And it gives them something to connect to and somebody to trust in. But ultimately what you're doing is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. So you don't want them to get to where they just tie to you. But you want to, through that, give them that connection, that bridge, that, that builds some, some encouragement. You know, all of us struggle with sins that we've had in our past, especially those who come to know Christ later in life, that we say, you know, how can I earn God's favor because of all these things that I've done? Because that's, that's our fallen nature. We feel like we've got to do something to, to get God to love us. And, and the only thing that can get you past that is have someone come alongside you and treat you differently than you think you should be treated. And then also remind them that's how Jesus is. And it's a slow road. For people that have struggled with, with, with sexual sin in their life for a long period of time, it's a slow road because there's a great deal of condemnation. Remember I said... Remember what we understand that sexual sin is a sin against one's own body because their identity has been ripped to, ripped to, ripped to shreds. And so that self-esteem in that area of their life is, is extremely, extremely, extremely low. But we're building them up because that's what Christ would do is build them up. And so we don't talk about that stuff. In fact, one thing I want to say too is anybody who's been in that area or you know those people that have been in that area, you know, one thing we want to talk about is how God saved me from this and how God saved me from that. But you need to be careful who you talk to about certain sins in your life that you struggle with because they use them as weapons against you. 
That's why when I was talking to you about when you get into a place of counsel with a person, you're getting in a relationship, and you've had sexual sin in your past, don't share that. Just say, you know, I messed up in the past, but I want to do this right this time. I don't want to give you any details or anything like that, but I'm just going to say I'm thankful that God's forgiven me, and I just want to start over on a new foot. Because the more information you give a person, the more likely they're to use it as a weapon against you, unfortunately. Yes? I want to ask a question that's a little bit, it's on the same page as Renee, just going to clarify further. It's, why do Christians feel like that sexual sin is worse? Is it worse of a sin than other sins for believers? I, I, I believe that, honestly, the most, the main reason why, because I don't really believe it's that scripture, because I don't even think they know that scripture. Honestly, I don't think a lot of them know that scripture, and they go, well, let me just tell you why. Because the Bible says that sexual sin or sexual morality is a sin against one's own body, and that's why it's this greater sin. Well, it's not, that doesn't even mean it's a greater sin. That's not what it's talking about. It's not saying it's a greater sin. It's saying it affects you more greatly. <laughs> it affects your identity more greatly. It doesn't mean it's a greater sin. It's just saying... Just know this. This is important, guys. The reason he said it is because a lot of people fall in that area. A lot of people fail in that area. And he's saying, you know, Paul said, I want to make sure you get this, guys. Just don't, don't play with this thing. This is going to really, really hurt you. But when it comes to sin, sin is sin. Scripture's clear on it. You know? We're condemned because of sin. Whether it's we chose our own way or there's different sins that we could just immediately look at and say, hey, I need forgiveness there. Um, uh, but Chachi, re reaffirm. Okay, I remember the question. Okay, so, so the thing that's being asked is why. Honestly, guys, the most reason that people feel that way is it's likely ch guys who have been raised in the church. And in being raised in the church, they've always been told that that's the one thing not to do because we shouldn't be doing that. Mama says it. Daddy says it. Youth pastor's saying it. Everybody else is saying it. So it's on your mind as the one thing. Never to do. But we really miss it there because what we really need to do is say purity is not about just our sexual lives. Purity is about every bit of our life. When you say the word purity, that's not about sex. That's about every aspect of who you are before God. Pure before the Lord. Not tainted, not allowing yourself to be affected by sins that easily beset you in your life. Whether it be pride, whether it be sexual sin, whether it be um, uh, the fact that you, ha you, you have a lying tongue, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's even the, the concepts of you play church, that's a, that's a, that's a sin in, in and of itself. It's getting to that place where you act like you're okay, but you're really not. And God's just sitting there saying, I'd like to help you, but you want to act like you're all together and you got it all perfect. And I can see, um, I can see a mile away from this, from this facade. That's sin too. Because the Bible also says to know to do right and not do it is a sin. That's a sin of omission is what that would be called. You have the sins of omission and the sins of the who, uh, whatever it's called. <laughs> Another sin. Sins of commission and sins of omission. And we always talk about the commission, but the omission is just as, is just as bad. You know, we should recognize sin is a sin is a sin. But why do we think that way? I believe it's just the way that it comes before us and it's presented. The way it gets pounded and pounded and pounded. Don't do that. And that's the main thing you hear. 
So it's sort of like that's the thing not to do, that's the thing not to touch, which is really kind of funny because if someone's always telling you not to do that, you know what that does? It makes you curious. It makes you want to. So in some ways, I don't think that's helping everyone. No. Fallen nature does that, does that too, does curiosity. What do you think that Adam and Eve were doing? Hmm, that's the one thing that I can't do. The one thing that I can't do is eat of this tree. Hmm. It grew and it grew and it grew until the serpent came up and said, so uh, what do you think about that? And they started to justify now while they could. Took the step and boom, there they were. And that's where it went. So, Does that answer your question, Josh? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about uh, <clears throat> if you want to step into a relationship um, that that really uh, truly is supposed to be a friendship, uh, and if, if you want to go a little further, when would you know when that were to occur? Okay. Well, question that I ask is uh, I have to ask the question in response to your question. Uh, as a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer it. But if you, the question was, what if you're wanting to pursue a relationship, but in knowing you're pursuing this relationship, there's a mindset about wanting to go a little further uh, in that relationship? Uh, and I assume that to be that there would be some kind of a, of a, of a, of a boyfriend girlfriend kind of thing happening in, eventually in your mind. I think the thing to remember is this. If the concept is to go a little further, then we've, you know, have we already failed? Um, And my answer is yes. Because if I think a little further, then that means I'm not set to think that the reason why I even want to pursue this person is the possibility that maybe one day we could spend the rest of our lives together. I think that with every relationship you pursue like that, it's the only reason you're pursuing it is because you're saying, perhaps maybe this one. There's some qualities here, some things there. But do you need to be a little further to discover whether those qualities are there? I think you can pretty much discover that with a regular relationship, getting to know people. And getting to know people actually being in communication and talking and learning of one another. And you don't learn about somebody in a week. And you don't learn about somebody in a month. You don't learn about somebody in four years. You're always learning. And so it's the posture by which you take in that relationship that's important. And the communication is really where the health is in that relationship. So it may be in your mind, you go, I'm thinking about the possibility with this person. Maybe that's what you're saying, you know? And we lead to that place where we go, okay, but I'm not going to let that skew. Again, I'm not going to let that skew this relationship because this relationship needs to start here. Getting to know people. Asking good questions. Communication. I think sometimes one of the ways we fail so much and I, I like to say, I think this is more in the guy's court, is that the guy has an agenda from the start and he thinks he can figure out the perfect timing about how to do all the things he does to make it work, but he ends up freaking the girl out and scaring her away. Seriously. Because he thinks that if I can just seal the deal, then I'm safe. But really the problem is the girl's saying, hey, oh, whoa, hold on, this is too fast here. Why are you trying to seal the deal so quick? You know? I want to get to know you. I want to know who you are before I invest in a, in a deeper relationship with you. You know, that other level that we have in our mind. So, uh, 
Yeah, does that help? Good questions. Any any other questions? Let's um. If so, I mean, I you know I I know y'all y'all aren't asking the question, but I just think that there are questions that that, that sometimes um, you know, it's good to address because you might. You might deal with it at some point with, when you're when you're running across a person who is struggling with uh, same-sex attraction. Uh, the question of why, you know, the question of what what leads to these kinds of things. Do, does this question come up in y'all's mind at all? Do, do do you do you ever think about it? Why why would someone have that? Okay, some of you. Okay, you nod your head. Okay, so. Can, can you want me to kind of uh, uh, maybe address a little bit of that, where that might come from, and the, uh, the, the concepts there? Uh, it's very, very complicated. Okay? Uh, and that, that's why I want to address it, because I, I want us to understand there's not an open and shut book in some of this stuff. And you might have some people say, well, I, I just think it's a sick thing, and I can't believe people would even choose to do that, and they should never choose to do that. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But... You need you need to you need to hold back on that. You really need to get into a place of compassion for a person who truly has a struggle in that area. Now, some people say, "Well, it's just this choice." You know, you choose to be, uh, uh, you know, sexual this way. You choose to be sexual there. Why can't you just choose the other? You know, I mean, this is obviously the right thing. Why why do you choose this other thing to be? Attract the same sex. These are kind of questions I think people are asking. Uh, I, I, maybe you yourself are asking these questions, or you know people that do. And what we need to know is it's complicated. And it, a couple of different things to think about. One is the nature of that person's being raised. Okay? That's the first thing we have to consider. Honestly, that person cannot understand why they are attracted. Many times that person has tried not to be attracted. And they're struggling with something they cannot understand. And so what you have to remember is, it truly is something they battle with, and it's not a little thing. They're not sitting there going, I could just change this. They're sitting there going, I want to. I, I don't know why I feel this way. I can't understand why I do feel this way. And one of the reasons is nature, uh, excuse me, is nurture. And the, that being, I was raised a certain way. Guys, you got to be really careful about the way you talk about people, you comment, the things that you say, because you don't know who's around you, and you don't know what they're dealing with and what they're struggling with. You have to be sensitive and think. Uh, that's the way Jesus would be. And so they might have been sitting there and playing, in a, you know, playing with their, with their father, uh, and they and they and they, they you know they they have a sister and they picked up the little dolly you know because they just thought it'd be fun to play with the dolly and the, and the daddy and the daddy says you know you know why are you being such a sissy and and that's the first little little piece of uh, of of effect on them and then and then on and on they 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 began to 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 go what's that you know what's this what's a sissy thing well that's you know but I kind of like dolls. 
You know, and then daddy continues to push the point and says, well, you really need to like this. You can't like this. There's something wrong with you if you like this. And then there begins to be a struggle going on in their heads. Or dad continues to berate him. And he begins to feel this way. Girls, they're tomboys. And mom begins to say, well, you don't need to be. And there's something in there where they feel like something's being said to them is that you're not natural. You're not being the right way you need to be. And there's this beginnings of labeling. And then someone else goes up and talks to them and says, you know what? I struggle with those kind of things too, and you know, and this is where I'm at. And then all of a sudden they go, well, maybe somebody now can relate to me. Perhaps I really am gay. Because that seems to be the person that accepts me and understands me. And of course, that's over a long period of time, and it may be that an absentee father's in the picture. And the father's never there, so you never have the father there to help you to understand or to know what it means to have the affirming love of a male. So you long for that love. But you see and you begin to memorialize it in your, in, your, in your heart, in your head, as physical affection with a male. Or you get into a place where you're sexually abused and you're very confused. And you think, I don't want to be this. In order to make the excuse of how I can feel better about the way I was treated, then you begin to go that direction. A woman who has been sexually abused, young girls sexually abused by their fathers continually or by their uncles or other family members or close friends, what they end up doing is, so I don't want to be this anymore because this hurts me. So if I can be something else, then I won't hurt anymore. You see, it's complicated. I've actually heard that a lot, from, especially from women, more and more from women who are, who are homosexual because they something happens when they're young and then they see that as like, oh, I hate all men now. And they shut off men and they see them as like unattractive and all this kind of stuff. I've heard that story like a lot from, yeah. from women who are... Yeah, and that's one, of the, that's, one of the, that's one of the nurture things that deal with it. Now the other question is, is nature. Now there is no, nothing that you can find scientifically that's been conclusive in any way that a person is born gay. But the problem that we deal with is that person goes, well, then why do I feel like it? Why do I have these strange feelings? You, you, have you, okay, I could, I was mistaken by some, some guys, which is why I was hit on so much, as an effeminate male. And, and so because of that, then these guys thought, okay, well, he leads towards that way, so I'll, you know, I'll, I'll hit on him and, and you know, and maybe something will happen here. And, uh, of course, as I've told you how I dealt with it very sensitively and still love those guys and just showed them the love of a, of a male who could affirm them, but not in that way, um, sexually, not in a sexual way. But I was that, and I had people say stuff like that to me, you know? Oh, are you gay? And, you know, these kind of things, they're, they're, they're labeling to you. And you kind of go, well, there's something different about me. My voice is higher. I sing higher. I sing alto, guys. I could sing alto, you know? So I sing like a girl, you know, in their minds. And so they might make fun of me. But for other people, it's just their voices are really high and they say, you know, or they, or they kind of carry themselves a certain way and, and they, they start, begin to get in these labels and they go, well, what, is there something wrong with me? Is there something different with me? And then now what's happening? Why is this happening more often? The reason this is happening more often, honestly, guys, is we've begun to open the door to say, now there's another category. And if you feel different, you're just this. And we're going to get more and more people that are confused just easily walk into the homosexual lifestyle when they wouldn't normally. 
Because we've gotten to the place where we started to decide to say, we condone that. It's just another type of person. But that person themselves struggles still. Because God didn't intend us to be there. He intended us to be a, to be, to, to, to be a certain way, male or female, and male and female together. And there is no other intention that God had. So what we need to do is obviously love the person that struggles there, be there for them, talk to them. But I promise you they have a lot of things that aren't going right in their life. And that's what you're there for, is to help the person that struggles. Come alongside of them. Counsel them. Gently tell them, perhaps maybe this is one of the reasons why you're struggling so much. Is because this is not what God wants for you. And you... You come alongside of them and you don't say that and walk away, but you say that and you walk with them. So um, that just I wanted to give some clarity on a little bit of that understanding of where this comes from. And so again, when a person feels that it is truly in their minds that naturally they were born gay, you can't argue with them because they truly believe it. Everything in them. So that's not the point. You don't argue with them that. You come alongside of them in the midst of their struggle and you kind of help them. You know, maybe feelings aren't the way we live. We can't just live by our feelings. Feelings aren't always the best thing. Acting out my feelings in different areas have definitely got me in serious trouble. You know, be careful to just be a person that just follows your feelings. You feel this way, but that doesn't mean you are. You know, things to think about. Okay. The question is, how do you deal with pornography? How do you, how do you deal with a addiction to it? How do you deal with the great temptation that is there? Um, let me first obviously start with uh, the understanding that uh, we are in the most extreme pornographic culture than ever before. Tremendous amounts of websites. Um, on the web that are pornographic in content. And in addition to that, this industry makes a ton of money. And other people have discovered that they make money by giving them opportunities. So let me tell you this. First of all, culture's against you on this one because it makes money. And anything that makes money is going to get pushed. So the problem's not going to get better. It's going to get worse in the sense of the accessibility. So the answer isn't in, accessi isn't in accessibility, okay? The, the answer of dealing with that is, one, not easy. Two, possible to find freedom. And the most important thing that I can, I can stress for you is accountability. Accountability. Accountability to someone who's going to help you walk through it and accountability to God ultimately. Because you know that that person's not always going to be there. When you get into the place where you and God are making a deal and you're saying, God, I, I, really, want to, I really want the victory here. If you're going to win, it's not going to be simple. You can't make excuses. You have to eliminate the issues. So, 
the first thing you're gonna you're likely gonna have to do is get rid of the computer, the accessibility that you have at your home. The areas that you know you're most likely to fall, get rid of those areas. And um, honestly, the root of it is spiritual. Root of it is spiritual. A lot of men that struggle with it, uh, struggle with pornography, first of all. Some of them actually start with, they struggle with their sexual identity. And so they experimented through this because it was safe. And uh, they got addicted to it. Because, I mean, see, this, is, this picture is not going to break up with me. This video is not going to break up with me. I don't have to worry about the feelings of rejection and loss and all these other kind of things. This is, this is, this, and I have control, and it's about control too, the issue of, the issues of, uh, of uh, addiction, pornographic addiction is a control issue. I have control here. You know, I can turn it on, I can turn it off. This picture can, can fantasize in the way I want it to because I have control. And so it's a deeper spiritual issue too than just the fact that it's a it's a sin that you struggle with, just like any other sexual sin. Because again, it is one. It's a deeper issue. Um, there's levels of struggle, and some people need they need serious help. Okay. Other people, it's something that we, you can work through with just a you know a person that will help you and keep you accountable. Depends on the level of struggle that's there. But. Uh, if you want to know the stats on it, it's pretty high in the church. The struggles with pastors, it's high. Um, uh, there was one stat that was 60% of, uh, uh, of cases, even in the workplace, 60% of people in the workplace were viewing pornographic content in the workplace. So just think about if that's in the workplace, what it's like in private a lot of people. But there's great things like covenant eyes that exist where a guy can set it up with another guy where the two of them, they link their computers together and uh, um, this guy knows everything that this guy's viewed and this guy knows everything that this guy's viewed and there's no way around it. It's, it's not a breakable, you can't break the code. This guy's the one that sets it up. You don't know it. you know, So you can't get in and you can't change it. Um, those are ways to help. But it's not something you can just go, I'm just going to try and and, and deal with this uh, in just a, a light way. It's got to be an all-in-all outright attack. I would recommend several books. One of them is um, uh, Every Man's Battle. I would definitely recommend Every Man's Battle. If you want to get to the heart of some of the struggle, Wild at Heart can get you can get you to understand a little bit more about why the struggle even exists at all. And of course, you got to get to the root of an issue if you're really going to win and find victory in the Lord. So I would just, uh, those are some things that I would encourage. And um, it's not an easy open and shut case, but those are some directions that I can, I can tell you to go. And again, the severity uh, really is an issue, is really a point of it too. But uh, culture's not going to help you. That's for sure. And you can't win a battle alone. No one can win a battle alone. So if anybody is struggling in that area, you have to put it to light and you have to make it known to somebody or you will not win. You cannot win alone. All right, let's go with one more question if there's any left. If not, we can just, we can just uh, wrap it up. All right, well, let's wrap it up, guys. Uh, thank you.